0: Proclaim it. Amen. I'm proud to be a Christian that believes in the full gospel. <laughs> Amen. Somebody said, Well, the full gospel, what is that? Well, some people call it Pentecostal, some people call it Seminaries of God, some people call it Church of God, some people. You know, the full gospel is just everything that's in this Bible. It's not doctrines of men, it's doctrines of the Word. This is what God's Word declares. I know some Baptists that are full gospel. <laughs> Amen? They believe the Word. I think we all could learn a little bit from somebody. Amen? I know some Methodists that are full gospel. They believe the Word. See, names don't mean nothing as far as names, it just means you belong to a certain denomination. But. You can belong to a denomination and not be a Christian. So it's important to be know that you're born again, new creatures in Christ Jesus. I'll tell you what, when we get to heaven, you may be surprised who makes it. (laughs) I I hope you're not surprised. Well, no, we're not going to say that. Amen. Because, listen, God's so good. And, you know, listen, some people think, boy, I'm more spiritual than everybody I get more rewards than everybody else because I've just done this, 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 this. Well, you know this little lady died and went to heaven. And they were handing out the rewards. And she got her reward. And she got an old 58 student baker. And I mean, you know, she was just really, because she saw some other people getting big fancy cars in heaven. And all of a sudden, she just was moping around, driving, crashed that car, and she was just out there cackling and laughing. And the angel came over and said, what are you laughing about? And she said, well, I was so depressed at my reward, an old 58 Studebaker, that I just saw my pastor go buy on roller skates. <laughs> Some of you will get it after a while. Hallelujah. Well, i tell you what, you never know. <laughs> amen. You never know. But amen. But God is so good, isn't he? And you know, a lot of people are depressed because of the news that they're seeing every day. But you know what? Christians should not be depressed over the news. Because all it is, is confirming the fact that we're in the end of time. Anytime you see something happening in this world system of ours, and it happens, listen, it's it's unfolding more and more and more and more. It's not over. And don't worry about Russia. God's already got a judgment plan for Gog and Magog. It's in the Bible. Several books. Gog and Magog is going to be destroyed. And we say that publicly and boldly. Because that's what the Word of God declares. Amen? We don't know what's going to happen to America yet. Now, there's a lot of prophets saying America is the Savior of the world. We're not the Savior of the world. America is far back and digressed back so far. The Roman Empire was a great empire one time, but America is right on an even keel with the Roman Empire and the immorality and the sin and all of the desires of the flesh that was ruling in the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire fell. God will not tolerate sin. God won't tolerate uh, uh, unruliness and uh, just blatant disobedience to God. That's what it is. I mean, we were watching television last night and the commercials, even the commercials, are promoting all of the new agenda that the new generation wants. Transgender commercials. All of these things right there before the eyes of kids and children. But not only that, the school system is teaching the kids this. We need to understand if you got grandchildren, you got kids in school, you need to check it out and see what they're teaching. And if they're teaching the wrong stuff, pull them out. Put them in a Christian school or homeschool them at home with the Christian stuff. Amen? Because I want to tell you something. It's important. It's important. And we need to understand that we're in the end time. How many knows you're in the end time? We're in the beginning of it all. And but I want to talk, I want to give you a little hope this morning. I don't want to talk about all the dirty stuff. We're going to talk about some good stuff. I want to talk about the only hope in the coming storm. Listen, we know things are going to happen. We know the prophetic things that have been said. And if you're a student of the Word at all, you can understand that these signs are beginning to happen right in our generation. And when you see the news and see all of the stuff that's going on, and, and, and listen, all of this stuff in these countries over there, and what they're talking about, about the leaders and, and, and what's going to happen and all of it, we already know what's going to happen. We can, we can just open our Bible and just read a little bit ahead. God and Magog will be destroyed. God and Magog is not going to rule the world. God and Magog could be an instrument in causing some havoc in the world, but they're not going to rule the world. Because God's not going to allow it. Because God's already spoken judgment to them, and that judgment is on its way. Praise God. Somebody said, Well, that's a pretty bold statement. Well, it's in the Bible. <laughs> and we've talked about Gog and Magog. But you know, we, we're going to see we're going to see more things begin to happen. It's not going to just stop where it's at. Uh, some people say, "I wish I could wake up in the morning and all this stuff be over and everybody just is living in peace." But well, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not, not going to happen. Somebody said, "Well, why? Why not? We can live in peace together, and we can live in peace with a certain one." But listen, the whole world's not the whole world. This whole world is under the control of a few elite people, is what it is. And they're trying to bring their elite control down to dominate. And it's been going on for years. And it's just being exposed more and more and more and more. And we've got a we got a storm brewing. <laughs> Listen, I'm talking about a spiritual storm. It, it, it's, a, it's a storm in, in this world that's happening and it's gonna happen. But we we have a hope. I want to read a scripture in Zechariah 2, verses 1 through 5, as we begin this morning. Zechariah, the prophet of the Lord, said, I stood, I raised my eyes and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, where are you going? And he said to me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what its width is and what its length And there was the angel who talked with me going out, and another angel was coming out to meet him who said to him, Run and speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. But look what the Lord said. For I say the Lord will be a wall of fire all around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. Now that's our promise. That's Should be the promise and hope of America. But as a whole, America is not a godly nation right now. As a whole. I understand what I'm saying. As a whole, America is not considered a godly nation. Thank God we still have freedom to worship. They're trying to take some of that away. And listen, they're working on it feverishly. Behind the doors, behind closed doors, they're trying to work things out. Because we're supposed to accept everything. Religion, and I listen. I I accept people. I don't accept their theology. I don't accept their religion. I accept people. I love people. I love everybody. I got along uh, when I when I was working on, on my job in uh, Houston when I was in Bible College at uh, General Motors and the Ford warehouse also. But there were there were people of all nationalities, of all different religions. We even had some Muslims in there. But these Muslims were not what you call uh, irrational or, or, or uh, uh, the type that would, uh, was that way. They were good people. See, they believe in God. They just have not accepted the Messiah. Just like the Jews have not accepted the Messiah. I mean, those Jews are good people. Amen. So, but the thing is, there's only one way to heaven, that's through Jesus Christ. Only one way to get there is through the cross. And so we have to understand that God said, I'm going to be a wall around her, and I'll be the glory in her midst. So we want to talk about the hope in the coming storm. How many know we've got a storm raging? It's coming. It's getting closer. Things are happening. But as I begin to read in Zechariah, there's two, two words that come in mind and that's vision and purpose as I begin to read in the book of Zechariah. uh, Zechariah, whose name means, this is what his name means. You know, God gave names to these prophets and men and they had names and those names meant something. Your name means something. Do you know your name can determine your personality? Amen? How many knows what your name means? Have you ever checked it? I don't know what mine means. I'm proud of it. I used to didn't be I, I used to hate the name Clarence. I mean to get in school Ned always there was a movie out Clarence the Cross eyed Line, you know. Or Clarence the Angel. In this, in, in that old Christmas movie, you know. <laughs> well, I don't mind being associated with Clarence. Hopefully I'm not as goofy as he is. But You know, we all have a name, Clarence. I'll just say it means intelligent one. And Richard, my middle name, means lion-hearted and courageous. Dalrymple is just a good old Scottish name. (laughs) Amen. A lot of Dalrymples in Scotland. I visited there and a whole lot of Dalrymples. In fact, there's a village named Dalrymple in Scotland. My friend and I, he went with me on one of my trips and and we went to Scotland. I got my picture made in front of the city limits sign, Rental. population so and so. You know. And we went in there, and we walked. The only thing that was open was was a was a pub next door to the hotel. And so we were trying to get some information. I was going to find out about my my relatives there in Dal- in in Scotland. That's where we're. That was that's my heritage, Scottish. And. Uh, I was So we went there, and we, we started going over towards the little pub because nobody's at the hotel. And all of a sudden, all the, all the shutters began to shut. And the door locked. And finally, the man poked his head out us. And sir, we just want to get some information about this village. My name's Dalrymple, and I just wanted to find out something. He said, oh, oh. He said, go to the library. <laughs> so we went to the library. And we looked up some things about the Dalrymples. And just like your love line, there's some folks you just don't want to remember. <laughs> and then there's some folks that did some royal things and good things. And so I just want to remember the good part of the Dalrymples. <laughs> Hallelujah. But listen, God said there's vision and purpose. And Zechariah, his name literally means the Lord remembers. That's what Zechariah really means. The Lord remembers. And Zechariah was a prophet of God, and he was reminding the people, God remembers. God remembers. God's not going to forget us. God's going to remember us, amen? And he always reminded that God does indeed remember his covenant. God remembers his covenant. God will keep his word in his covenant, and he'll fulfill it. If the people will only perform their part. How he knows that the people's got something to do with it. You have to do something. If you're going to get God's word fulfilled in our lives, we have to cooperate with God and do what God says to do. Like Haggai was his older contemporary, uh, Zechariah caused the people to finish the work of rebuilding the temple. Now the temple was a physical temple in their day that was needed because that's where the presence of the Lord abode, was in the temple. And uh, the presence of God was there. And the temple was always destroyed by the enemy, but they had to rebuild it. And Zechariah's job was to help rebuild that. And Haggai, another prophet, saw the lethargy of the people and encouraged them by painting a mental picture of how this will impact their future. Listen, we need to understand. We need to let people know decisions they make today will affect their future. Every decision we make will affect our future. The decision we make today to serve God with sincerity and with fullness of our heart will affect our future. Every decision affects everything about you in the future. I tell you what, I want my, I want my uh, decisions to be made in favor of God <laughs> and for God's favor on my life. How about you? Amen? But Zechariah, hey God, but a dozen years the temple had lain half finished. It wasn't finished, not completed. The rebuilding and rising of the temple uh, uh, pictured their lives. Listen, doesn't this kind of fit a picture of us? Children of Israel let the temple go, and then they started rebuilding, and then they let it go. Some people, they, they get in trouble, and they get the devil working in their lives and coming against them. Boy, Oh, got to get in here and get, get busy with God again. Oh, Lord, 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 forgive me, repent, repent. And then a few months later, oh, well. And that's the way some people's lives are. Up and down, up and down, up and down. Not an even keel. But listen, God wants us to serve Him. We serve in the church, but we serve God. We only serve in the church because we're part of the body of Christ. And we serve in the church to help and minister to each other and one another. But we're actually there to serve Him. The temple of God is not made with brick and mortar. It's made in the spiritual realm. And the physical, the physical temple is nothing more than a meeting place. But in the days of the Old Testament prophets... The temple literally had the presence of God dwelling in that temple. The Shekinah glory of God was in those temples. And the presence of the Lord was there. Now you know what? I believe that we can be so full of God that when people walk through those doors back there, that they can sense the Shekinah glory of God. They can sense God. When we sing, I want people to be able to sense the presence of God. I don't want to sing just to sing. I don't want just a song to have a song. We want to worship the Lord. And we worship God with singing and praising and songs. And that that creates an atmosphere for the presence of the Lord to manifest itself. That doesn't mean the presence of God isn't with us when we come in. He's with all of us because He's in us. He dwells in us. But what we do is we create an atmosphere with our praise and worship unto the Lord, allowing Him to manifest His presence and His power and His ability to do what we need Him to do in our bodies, in our lives, or whatever it is. We've got to open up and let His presence overwhelms us. In thy presence, Psalmist singer said, is fullness of joy in the presence of God. But the building was half finished. Did you know some people? That's, that, that, how many knows this body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And when you get saved and born again, the Lord literally transforms your old man into a new man, and you are made. I mean, you, you, your desires are towards God because of the of the change and the transformation by the power of God. So the temple is important, amen? And, uh, uh, but it laid half finish and uh, it pictured their lives just rebuilding and the rise of the temple. One day the uh, Messiah would abide in this temple and eventually in them. See, the temple is good, but God is in us. You know what makes God real in this place? It's because you bring God in with you. It's not that God is here waiting on you. You've got God in you. You've got the presence of the Lord in you. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. And when you get here, did you know you could have a whole bunch of disgruntled people come in? And a whole bunch of people, grumblers and mumblers, and complainers, and the, and the presence of God wouldn't even manifest itself. Amen. But if you come in joyful, praising the Lord, hallelujah. Glory to God. Not coming in and said, Oh, is this Sunday already? (laughs) Got to go to church. No, we come in to worship him and to praise him and let him be glorified. Can you say amen? So both the temple and their lives must be given top priority. See, the temple of God, God, God had certain things that he required for that physical temple. And they had to stay on top of it. For it to really be what God wanted. Because his presence was there. This body. Is the temple of the Holy Ghost. God dwells in us. By his spirit. And so. This body is our responsibility. To take care of it. Physically. On the inside. And outside. And listen. There are certain things... Listen, how many knows when you were a teenager, you dabbled in things? I thank God that I didn't dabble in a lot of the things because I got saved at an early age. I I, I praise God for that. I'm not boasting, I'm just praising God for that, that I didn't have to go through some of the things that my siblings went through Because they defiled the temple. This is the temple of God. They all were born again. But they all backslid because they defiled the temple. And they, the pleasures of life became greater than what God required from our spiritual man and our person. But we need to understand that the temple is important to God. Amen? That's a whole different message, but that's good anyway. But vision is a key word. And Zechariah actually saw eight visions between chapter 1 and 6. And I, if you're like me, I love to study the Word and just study out the history of it and all of that stuff. I, I spend a many, many hours studying. Pat tell you that. She has to tell me, you want to quit for a while? I said, well, just a few more hours. <laughs> no, we, we, we have to quit sometimes, you know. But listen, vision is a key word. Purpose is another key word uh, that Zechariah had. It, it got, it, he kept reminding them of a higher purpose. there's a higher purpose for each one of us this morning. There's a higher purpose for our church. There's a higher purpose for you as an individual Christian. God's got a higher purpose than where you are right now. God's got a purpose. We're important to God. You're important to the body of Christ. And Zechariah kept it alive. But let's take a look at the coming storm for just a moment. Because we're going to talk about the hope that Zechariah gave. But let's, the coming storm. You know how many of when a storm starts brewing out here, the, the, the weather forecaster, the, we like Channel 11. That's where we get our news you know, on the weather. I don't know why I like Scott, you know. And, uh, but, it, but you know, he, he, he makes it so exciting and, and, and so intelligent, you know. But, uh, but you know, we got equipment now. That they can focus in on something that's hundreds of miles away and see exactly when it's going to hit when he's going to come, what it's going to do, when he gets here. And, you know, with that, we have all kinds of things happening. And God always, just like our weather forecasters do, they try to prepare you for the storm. How I many was prepared for our winter storm this year? We got prepared. <laughs> Amen. Now, last year it hit us pretty
1: I mean, we were expecting a little bit of snow, but we
0: weren't expecting what we got. Amen? Now, if he was in Massachusetts, you'd expect that every winter. I learned. I tell you what, I don't know why God sent me up there. Well, yes, I do. I got my wife out there. But, I I mean, I went to pick Massachusetts, but God told me to. And I went up there. And I tell you what, the first year we were there, it was the coldest place I'd ever seen. I didn't even have winter clothes like I supposed to have. I didn't know it got that cold. You know? And I had one of the guys in the church come over and brought me something in a, in a box. He said, Here. I said, Well, what is this? He said, Believe me, before this winter's over with, you're going to need this. I said, Okay. So I went into my, my place where I was staying, and I, I opened it up, and. and is this Long John underwear? I called him and I said, Hey, Mark, what is this? He said, Believe me, Brother Clarence, you'll need those before it's over with. Well, it wasn't that cold that day, but man, it got cold below zero for several days, and I mean, not. I, I said, boy, that was free. I said, Oh, well, wait a minute, I got something. I went in there and put those things on and I kept them on 24-7. Well, I did take them off and washed them a little bit, you know. But I mean they came in handy. But that, why? They were prepared for it. How you know? Listen, God wants us to be prepared for the coming storm that's coming in this world. We're gonna look up Jesus is coming soon. But at the same time, we should be prepared for the coming storm. Nobody knows the hour of the day when Jesus is coming. We don't know how far into this stuff we go. We really don't. We have ideas, but we'll never really know that. But the thing is, when God shows these things happening, that's when he said lift up your eyes and look and behold the coming of the Lord draws nigh. When these things begin to happen. Now these things are beginning to happen. How far they have to happen? We don't know. But we do know one thing. I'm going to be prepared. How about you? God's always promised it. But look what he said in Zechariah 2 verse 5, uh, uh, 5 where we read it a while ago. The Lord, will he, he will be a wall of fire all around her talking about Israel. And he will be their glory in her midst. Likewise, uh, Isaiah the prophet testified on this, Isaiah 25, verse 4. He said, For you have been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat, for the blast of the terrible ones is a storm against the wall. The Lord's been a strength to the poor. He's been a strength to the needy, a refuge. How many glad God's our refuge? He's our refuge. We, we've got to get into the refuge where God is. And these promises are meant to conquer us beforehand. We need to understand, God said, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you, but I'm with you. Always, even to the end of the world. So those scriptures are there. When he when he quoted that, the disciples didn't see where they really needed it at that point, you know. But you know what happened? They found out where they were going to need it. Because remember when Jesus raised from the dead? And they said, is this the time... That the kingdom is going to be restored. And the Lord said, oh no, not right now. He said, uh, you're going to suffer many things for my name's sake. They're going to take you up and kill you, behead you,
1: beat you, put
0: you in prison. Ooh, how would you like to hear that from God himself? Amen. Expecting, listen, I'm saying we need to understand the signs that we're in. But we also need to understand Jesus is coming. But at the same time, we don't know where we're going, but in the midst of the storm, God is our protection. And God wants to take care of us. Can you say amen? amen? Luke twenty-one twenty-six. that's what I was reading a while ago. And these will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations. we see that, aren't we? With perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. We're seeing that more and more. Hey, listen, they're, they're already... Uh, forecasting and and, uh, foretelling the fact that there's going to be a great tsunami on the West Coast. Now, a tsunami is going to happen because of an earthquake underneath. In fact, I was out there visiting my daughter in Portland, Oregon, and Pat was with me. We went out there over to her to go meet them, and we was out there, we were driving the car, and we went over to the Pacific Ocean. Pat always wanted to see the Pacific Ocean. saw the Atlantic Ocean all the time. She wouldn't see the Pacific Ocean. And so we drove out there, and on the way, it said, the tsunami route. The tsunami route. I don't know how you say it, route, route, you know. Anyway, the tsunami path. What in the world? So we got home and asked my son and son-in-law. I called my son in love. And uh, I I said, Vince. I said, All these signs when we were going out to the ocean and coming back. I said, it said, the tsunami route. He said, yeah, Dad. He said, "Heaven, don't you realize what's out there? He said, there's great craters underneath in the waters deep that they're forecasting is going to erupt. It's going to be the biggest volcano eruption in the history. And what they're predicting is... California San Francisco all of those areas up there are going to be totally demolished and destroyed somebody say I don't want to hear that well you know what God has a time of judgment if I live there I think I'd be looking for another house somewhere else in the Midwest somewhere amen but you know the thing is, these things are happening. They're signs. They know what's going to take place. All of the knowledge and the technologies that there. they can predict and know that these things are going to happen. They're already hearing rumblings underneath. My brother lived out in uh, right above San Francisco. He was over. He was a third man in Safeway Corporation. And my brother. He always said he was going to make it big, and he did. You know, but he he knew the San Francisco Giants owner personally. They went to dinner and wine and dined and went to ball games and all that. I said, "Well, why, why didn't I get to go?" With you? He said, "Because you're down in Texas, and I was up here." <laughs> but, but you know, they had that great earthquake out. Y'all remember that earthquake that year in in San Francisco area? They, it was actually during the World Series. Uh, or, or I think it was about the World Series, and uh, and the and the earthquake hit San Francisco. Bridges collapsed, and all of this. They had to cl- close down all the areas. The World Series was canceled at that point. And uh, at, that, at, at that particular place. And now, you know, but these are all predictions from God. God said these are things that are going to happen. We need to understand the times that we're in. Amen. The storm's coming. And the, it's going to be frightening. And he said, uh, there'll be perplexity, the seas and the waves men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. The powers of heaven. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but a lot of our presidents, when they got into office, many of them were dark haired. And when they were in office, and especially if they went two terms, they were totally white haired when they came out. Mm -hmm. Amen. I tell you, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure on those men. And and, and whether they be godly or ungodly, there's a lot of pressure upon them in that particular office. But Jesus says the storm is going to be ferocious. We know it will be an awesome moment in history. We know it's going to be a bad time. Amen? Listen, how many knows if Jesus predicted it and said it? We need to take it to heart. Amen. Believe the word. The Bible assures us God never sends judgment on any society without first revealing it to his prophets, what he plans to do. I want to read something in Amos 3.7. Surely the Lord will do nothing, but he reveals his secret. Unto his servants, the prophets. I believe in prophets. I believe God has godly prophets today. Prophets. Of, I believe David Wilkerson was a prophet of God. I really do. I, I tell you what, some of his prophecies that he had and he gave, we're seeing happen even after he's gone on to be with the Lord. Prophecies, prophetic events that God is doing. I believe Billy Graham was a prophet of the Lord. He was a prophet also. And he spoke things. But the Bible says vision is what we've got to have in this time. Now, vision is Proverbs 29 and 18, where there's no vision, the people perish. Now, that word vision there means revelation word, a revelatory word. It means having a revelation of what. How many of you can read this word from cover to cover, and get all the... We used to have to do that in, in Sunday school, you know. How mm-hmm. I many chapters you read? i go over there to the short chapters or Psalms, you know, and get the shortest ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I could read more than the rest of them. But, you know, y'all remember those times in Sunday school? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't know, uh, but we didn't get no revelation of the Word. We were just memorizing the Scriptures, you know, just find finding out, you know. But, but revelation, revelation is where God unfolds and reveals what that word says. And we gotta, we got to have a revelatory word, a revelation word from God in this end time. God's people need it. The church needs it. We as believers need this. We need to understand we're in the last days. The last days are not coming. We're in the beginning of the very last of the last days. And it's here. And we need to understand how close it is. I think if people really realize how close, you'd think that most churches would be just packed and filled and people run into the altars every service. But it's not happening. Thank God in some places there's a move of God and God's doing some things in that nature. But what I'm saying as a whole, it's not happening right now because people have learned to just take it at a stride and say, well, this too shall pass. No, this too will not pass because we're in the end of the end. We're in the days of the beginning of the last days before the coming of the Lord. Amen? But there, the Bible said, Proverbs 29, where there's no vision, people perish. And uh, there's a need for the church to see clearly what God said. We need to see what God said. You know, I could preach a 15-minute sermon every Sunday. But I want to get something in us. We need some meat on our bones, <laughs> and that's why my mom, my mom used to tell me that you need some meat on your bones. <laughs> we, we need, we got to get, we got to get the, we got to digest the spiritual food in order to become what God wants us to be in this end time. This world is not our home; yeah. it's only temporary. Thank God for the fine places we can live. Thank God. I I love living in good places. I love living in in solid homes. How many you understand what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with having anything good and the best. But you know, that's not going to be stable enough one day when the real thing hits. All these things will just disappear and be gone. Because the only thing that's going to last is eternal things. The day of the Lord will come upon us unaware. And the vision being uh, referred to here is about receiving divine communication from God, whether it be from a dream. Does God give you dreams sometimes? Oh, yeah. Spiritual dreams? Mm-hmm. Now don't shove, don't just slough off some of those spiritual dreams and say, well, it's what I ate before I went to bed. Yeah. <laughs> no, God could be speaking to your spirit. Yeah. God could be talking to you. God be, could be trying to reveal something to you. And but it could, uh, the, the, the divine communication would be from a dream, revelation, or prophecy. And God spoke through the prophets to give them a word from God. In the end, listen, God's got His prophets today that are also speaking a, a prophetic word to us. What we're preaching is a prophetic word to us right here. I'm not saying this is something new that God just gave me. It's in the Bible, and we're 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 un- unveiling it, and just and as as God has revealed it to us, we're we're trying to share it with us with each other, so that you'll have it. But where there's no vision, no revelation of God, his people are unrestrained. But blessed and happy is he who keeps the law of God. That's all in the Amplified Version on that, on where there's no vision, the people perish. But the day of the Lord will come as a, a, upon us unaware. And uh, it, it's more evident when we read the remainder of Proverbs twenty-nine, eighteen, as far as the vision Proverbs 29, 18 says, Because most times the section is ignored. It says, Where there is no prophet, prophetic vision or no vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Blessed is he who keeps the law. But we don't want to be one of those that cast it off and sloughs it off. Oh well, now the another now the sermon from the preach on the coming of the Lord. He's just trying to scare me into heaven. No. I'm trying to persuade you that heaven's better than the other alternative, <laughs> amen. And heaven is better, amen. But it's it's it, the remainder uh, we're blessed, and this is what God wants us to do. But that restraint, we, we cast off the word of God with restraint. Now, did you know when you when you hear the word and then you don't do it, you know what that's called? What do you really want to hear? It? Rebellion. Rebellion is a a pretty powerful word in the Bible as you begin to study it out and read where the people of God rebelled against the prophets and against the word of God and what God wanted them to do. We can't can't live in rebellion. We've got to live in acceptance of what God says. And if there's something in our lives that doesn't line up, that doesn't mean God's condemning you. It means God's convicting you. See, there's a difference in condemnation and conviction. And God wants us to be convicted of anything that's not right, not be condemned. I don't want to step here and, bless God, you're going to go to hell. How many knows that's not going to keep you here too long? But if I could preach something that will bring conviction to your heart, and it will prick your heart to the point to where you say, Lord, I want to be what you want me to be. I want to be ready when the trump of God sounds. I want, to, I want to be an example to my family, to my members of the family, and my children, and, and all those that surround me. I want to, listen, I want, to, I want conviction, not condemnation. We're not here to put people in hell. We're here to drag them out of the mouth of hell. <laughs> Amen? And, and get them into the presence of the Lord. But God's purpose. Now, God wants us to have a purpose. Because right now there's a watered-down gospel out there. By the way, I don't know if you I don't know if you realize it or not, but the gospel is not being preached in a lot of places. I'm talking about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a watered-down version and a watered-down uh, purpose. It's uh, and, I, and I and I my first book was the Dream Seed, God's Blueprint Within You. That was my first book I wrote. I've got copies of that if some of you want to get some of those, <laughs> if you're still in the reading. But, uh, but, you know, and God does have a divine purpose for each one of us. God's got a divine will for each one of us. God's got a divine purpose in each of our lives. So we need to understand the purpose of God is what His desire is. And his callings, the gifts and callings of God, are given and without repentance. See, we're called for different things. Not everybody's called to be a preacher. Amen? I didn't think I was called to preach. I was so bashful I'd turn red if you just smiled at me, you know. I wouldn't even get up in front of the class and give a book report. My English teacher gave me a D. I saw her on her hundredth birthday, and I said, "Miss Leg, how are you doing?" And she said, "Well, Clarence Richard Dalvin. She said, "How are you doing?" She was a hundred years old. I went to her hundredth birthday, and she said, "What have you been doing?" I started telling her how God called me to preach, and I've been around the world and did some things, preaching in different nations and and revivals and crusades and pastoring, and and you know. And she said, "Oh, I knew that God was going to use you." She was a Christian. I knew that. And I said, Miss Day, can I ask you a question? What? because, listen, I wouldn't even open my mouth and say nothing. And on book report days, or when I had to get up there and say something verbally, I, I just, I'd either stay home, or I just wouldn't do it. And she said, I, she called on me one day for an answer, and I knew the answer, but I was too bashful to talk and say it out loud. And She just passed me on by. You know, she never asked me another question that whole year. And I still passed. And I asked her about that. She said, oh, Clarence Richard, Dow Ripple. She pointed her little finger at me again. She said, I knew you knew the answer. And I knew you were smarter than what you let on. She said, so I passed you anyway. But then she smiled with tears in her eyes. She said, I'm so thankful that God's used to you the way he is. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? See, listen, you don't know. People can have influence in your life, and you don't even realize she was a Christian lady, too, by the way, and you know that. But uh, anyhow, God's purpose for us. Amen. How many glad that God's got a purpose for us? And God's got a divine purpose for every one of us. God's got a purpose for our church. But we're not to shrink back in fear. And uh, we need to understand the times, and we need to understand where we're at. This is what God wants us to do. And over in 1 Chronicles 12 32, one part of his army I want to mention is, is the sons of Ashokar who understood the times to know what Israel ought to do. And this is what he said of the sons of Ashokar who understood the times to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs went, were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. See, the purpose of the church is to re- reveal Jesus Christ to this world. How I many know that's our purpose? We're to reveal Jesus Christ. Each each generation, each generation. Think, listen, every generation. I'm not going to criticize the generations above because they were living in their time and they saw what they saw at their time. Did you know in World War One they thought the, they thought this was the end also. World War II, they thought this was the end also. Especially with what was happening to the Jews and and the Nazis, what they were doing to them. And all of these things has lined up. Each generation has believed in the coming of the Lord. Each generation has believed that Jesus is coming soon. Each generation. And listen, I'm not going to criticize any of the generations. Because we only knew what we knew, or they only knew what they knew. And now we're in this generation. And you know what? You're the privileged generation. Because we're in the end of the end. And according to the history, and according to what they're saying, according to what the enemy is saying, you know, this this global reset thing. Is, listen, this is not just one nation that's trying to control the world. This is a group of nations that's trying to align together, and they're going to have one man over on them before it's all over with. But the thing is, it's a group of nations Wanting to align, and all of this global reset is not just our nation or a, Russia and China are the big heads of all this stuff on the global reset. A lot of it is, and we're all of these nations are co- collaborating together, and we're going to see that Jesus is getting ready to come back. Amen. He's getting ready to come back, but each generation, each generation. I mean, says I'm a chosen generation. Look at First Peter two nine. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who's called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not attained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And we need to choose to find, uh, We just, you know, do you choose to please God? That's what we've got to do. Do you, ple- do you choose to please God? The choice is ours. It's it's an individual choice. Choose to serve the Lord. And God's going to do it. Amen? 2 Timothy 3, verse 13. I want to read the scripture. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We're seeing that happen in our generations right now. Listen, Jesus is getting ready to come back. Amen? Amen? That ought to excite us. I, I talk to young people about that, and they say, I hope he waits till I get married. I enjoy life a little bit. You know what? Well, hey! God's got his timetable. Amen? And we're going to see God do what he said he would do. And But there's always a global shaking with everything that begins to happen, a global shaking. There's always, a Psalms 2 and 8 says, Ask him in, I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. But God promised to shake everything that can be shaken. God's promised to shake everything that can be shaken. God's going to shake everything that can be shaken before the end comes. Amen? We're, we're going to see things happen. And it's, it, God's going to do some things in our lives as we allow Him. Look at Psalms 2, verses 1 through 9. Why do the heathen, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers set counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces, and cast away their cord from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath, and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. And it's going to wax worse and worse before the coming of the Lord. 2 Timothy uh, one 3-13, through 13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, worse and worse, <laughs> deceiving and being deceived. i I tell you what, Jesus is coming. I can't finish this this morning, but I want to tell you something. God is going to do what he said he would do. Are you all getting anything out of this at all? You know, my job is to help prepare every one of us for the coming of the Lord. Because he's coming soon. He's coming soon. And I, you know, I, I don't want anybody in our church To be able to stand before the Lord and say, Well, that preacher you put down there in Aubrey, Texas, I tell you what, he didn't didn't declare the whole counsel of God. If he had, I'd I'd, I'd be—I'd gotten right. Well, I'm going to be guilty of giving the whole counsel of God. But I'm not going to be, like one lady told me one night, she said, Brother Clarence, you're a great preacher, but you don't have to give it to us all at once. So I've learned my lesson. Amen. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. We're going to be here tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to see what God's got else to say about it. Amen. Listen, hey, the time is here. The sun's out. People don't have no excuse not to come to church on Sunday night no more. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you because your word's true. Father, we just thank you that everything you say is happening and we're, we're here. Lord, we're seeing it happen. next to you, and let's just pray and agree that the revelation of the Word will come alive in our families' hearts, our people's hearts, so that they'll be prepared. Only one way to prepare, to prepare. you know, I, we can't, we can't get saved for nobody, but we can prepare them and give them an opportunity and encourage them to get things right. Amen. Father, we just lift our families to you, our relatives, our friends, our neighbors. God, we just lift them to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that it's going to happen. Praise the Lord. Well, praise God. I'm going to just keep on praising the Lord. How about you? As we leave this morning, let's just sing as we stand up, get ready, greet one another. Let's just praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let all of God's people praise the Lord.